It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the cinematographer for the French Dispatch, Robert Yeaman. It began as a holiday. Eager to escape a bright future on the Great Plains, Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. For decent people. It's supposed to be charming. He assembled a team of the best expatriate journalists of his time. Berenson, Sazerac, Kremens, Roebuck Wright. These were his people. Just try to make it sound like you wrote it that way on purpose. We take as the subject of tonight's lecture, Mr. Moses Rosenthal. Certainly the loudest autistic voice of his rowdy generation. Simone Naked Cell Block J Hobby Room. I want to buy it. It's not for sale. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes. In short, the picture was a sensation. The kids did this. Obliterated a thousand years of Republican authority in less than a fortnight. What do they want? Freedom, full stop. I'm naked, Mrs. Kremens. I can see that. Lieutenant Nescafier is the great exemplar of the mode of cuisine known as police cooking. The aromas of the kitchen cast a spell, which was to be mortally broken. As you know by now, we have kidnapped your son. from the foreman. One hour to press. You're fired. Really? Don't cry in my office. Robert, how you doing? Good, well, how are you, Mr. Doing fantastic. I mean, this thing is stunning to look at. So, uh, major props first off. The first thing I, you know, I was going to kind of go through and ask you a little bit about each of the three segments, but the first thing I got to know is how did you and Wes decide to go like 50% black and white on this one? Because it seems like there's a like a new black and white trend right now. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, we shot this movie three years ago. You know? <laughs> and uh, so we were kind of ahead of a lot of these people, I guess. But um, initially, the, I, the concept was to shoot the first story of Benicio, uh, the painter, in black and white, and the rest of the movie in color. but in prep, we do a very extensive prep and we often would go out with a camera and shoot things and we would shoot things in black and white and color. And I think that both Wes and I and everybody 
just responded to the black and white footage. It was, you know, we look at the black and white, we look at the color, and we always go, oh, the black and white, so amazing, you know. <laughs> so I think it was at that point that Wes kind of decided to make a switch and shoot much more of it in black and white. And I think a lot of it was also just influenced by the French New Wave, which uh, was a big influence on our film. And, and Wes is a big fan of the French New Wave. And we, you know, studied a lot of those Godard films and, you know, the other other ones. And I think that kind of influenced his decision a little bit. And then to use color a little more sparingly, you know, uh, like in, in the first story, you know, Benicio is all black and white. And then when he first unveils his his paintings, it's a anamorphic color shot. And I think right. I think that was kind of a dramatic way that kind of really punched up that moment, you know. And you saw him in color, and uh, you know, it 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 really kind of to me was a visual punch up of, of that moment. And so I think that's when why West chose to shoot certain things in color was to, to, to really, uh, uh, you know, add some sort of emotional tone to it that the black and white didn't have, so. Well, you, uh, you talked about a lot of the French new wave inspirations. I was curious though, with a lot of those shots, you had just such amazing depth. I know that's always a West thing, but there's so many planes of action and just keeps going. You've somehow got everything in focus. Were there any, first off, were there any other particular inspirations, like, I don't know, bicycle thieves or anything like that? And also, how did you do it? Okay. Uh, well, again, it was, you know, Viva Savi, Diabolique, The Fire Within, a lot of, uh, you know, the French New Wave films. Uh, one thing that Wes has, has, and I have kind of, over the years, you know, we worked so much together, he'll warn me if, if, uh, say there's someone very close to camera and someone way in the distance. And he'll say, I want to carry as much in focus as I can, because he knows that that can be tricky. Right. So it generally, because we shoot film and it's not a particularly fast film, it's slow. Uh, we, that means we need a lot of light. And uh, so, you know, he'll, he'll prep me beforehand and, and just say, you know, you know, if we can try to carry it all. And sometimes we have to light to like an 11, or, you know, in, in, yeah. And that's kind of what we do, you know, and, and typically, uh, you know, in today's world, cinematographers, it's very fashionable to shoot everything wide open at two or two eight or whatever. But, you know, we usually shoot our interiors at five, six, you know, I mean, and, and, and if we need to, we shoot 11 if we have to, mm -hmm. you know? but that just means it gets a little more difficult. So, but, you know, I, I, we talk about it a lot beforehand, so I know when I'm going to get myself into that kind of situation and, and, and uh, so I can be prepared and bring a lot more light in. And, and so that's kind of how we do that. I mean, it just means using a lot of light, which, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, some of those uh, those really striking backgrounds, I assume, were miniatures, too. Did you incorporate those? I know Wes loves that. Yeah, miniatures. And if you remember the scene where the uh it's kind of the actors are all frozen and we dolly across all those rooms oh yeah it's so good i was going to ask about that and you know uh the backgrounds were all painted drops you know mm -hmm. and and some of them looked you know pretty real you know particularly the one of the prison interior uh 
And, and I was amazed because, you know, I know it was kind of a fantasy type uh, situation, but uh, I felt like, you know, it, it was purposely very theatrical, but at the same time, there was a reality to it, I think. And, and uh, so, yeah, they were all, it was just, each room had its own painted drop that was there in the background. And, and uh, that was one where we had to light it to 11 because, uh, you know, we had people in the foreground and people in the background and Wes really wanted to see everything sharp. So it was a little tricky, but we brought, I think we had 10, 12 K HMIs. We were bouncing into the ceiling and, you know, just trying to bring the ambience up and it was very soft lit, you know, it wasn't like there was sunlight or anything coming in. Right. Yeah. So it was just the whole thing was just kind of, we put white on the ceiling and we just bounced a lot of big, big lights in it. And uh, that's how we did it, you know, and we got our 11 and, you know, it worked out great. So, yeah. Now I know in that sequence also, I think right before you have that great fight scene you just talked about, uh, you had some handheld, which I thought was interesting. I guess that makes sense with French new wave, but Wes is usually very controlled and likes to have things more like symmetrical. So tell me about the handheld. Well, that's, uh, you know, I remember the one shot where I had to run at, uh, at Benicio over Adrian. And I think he just wanted to give that sequence a little bit of a, a more documentary feel. I know we had some, uh, 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 like when Adrian is uh, being chased by Benicio in the wheelchair and he's throwing the things at him. We had uh, our key grip was behind pushing the wheelchair and it was very kind of loose and documentary. It wasn't like we said, oh, Adrian, you got to run here. You got to run there. You got to do this. You got to do that. So the actors were kind of improvising a little bit there. And uh, and it wasn't like, you know, it was set marks or anything, which is very, you know, with Wes, everything is so specific. But that was a lot looser. And I think that that was the idea behind the handheld was to give it more of a a looser feeling. And I think as well, we used handheld uh, when Timothy Chalamet and, and Lena and, and Francis at the student uprising. Uh, again, it was kind of to feel a little more loose, a little more, you know, jagged at that point. Uh, and, and that was the decision there because pretty much everything else was very, you know, locked down and very controlled. So um, right. if there was any other handheld moments. So those were the two that I remember. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. And then the last question about the prison segment, 
I thought it was really interesting that when you cut to Tilda Swinton introducing the lecture, not only was it in color, but it was this very, I don't know how to describe it other than like 70s look almost. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, well, she was based on a particular person. I don't remember the name, and it was during that time period. And the set was designed, and we, and her color of her, her uh, dress was orange, and the set was kind of this kind of uh, warm wood. You know, we were trying to kind of recreate that feeling. I think we also did it with when we had Leah Schreiber and Jeffrey Wright in the TV studio, you know, uh, we kind of had a similar palette in a lot of ways, and 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 we were trying to make it feel like a, a, a 1970s talk show. You know, right. I, I I referenced Tom Snyder, but uh, I think Charlie Rose was also you know brought up, and you know, and and um, so that was kind of what we were going after in that particular situation as well. And and with Tilda, it was you know we kept it very warm. Her hair was kind of reddish and, you know, and, and, uh, and it was also color timed uh, in the end, even warmer than, you know, I anticipated. So, uh, you know, it was all part of creating this world that was very different than the black and white world that Benicio and uh, uh, Leo were living in, in the prison. So then we get to the student one and um, there's this incredible scene where the the student who'd been sent off to do his military service comes back and then they cut to like a dramatization of his experience. And you've got this incredible sequence where the camera moves in and all the boys in the bunks and you somehow have this window with snow falling in the background. Yeah. And like it's stage where he jumps. Just tell me about that whole scene. Uh, well, Wes was very uh, eager to make it feel like a play. And we actually uh, brought a lighting designer in, Matt Daw from uh, England. And because uh, how I light a movie is very different than how people light plays, you know. Right. And and uh, it's a different, you know, I've learned a lot. Uh, Matt and I have learned a lot from each other, you know. And, and uh, we brought in Matt and, and, you know, he and I work together, but I try to give him as much freedom to do what he wanted to do, even though it might not be necessarily what I would do, because it, Wes was anxious to get that theatrical look. It's a lot of hard lighting and, you know, multiple shadows, things that we don't ordinarily do in film. And uh, so I think Wes was particularly eager to get a, a very different look to that play. And that's kind of, and the snow, we actually had snow, uh, well, you know, it was as if a play was going on, you know, I mean, it was fake snow, but, you know, right, uh, right. it was all done live, you know. And, oh, that was in camera? That wasn't superimposed? Uh, no, they may have helped it, but yeah, we had a lot of it was done live for sure. Yeah, wow. and they may have helped it in post, I don't know, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was as if we were putting on a play and, you know, we did a play in, in Rushmore as well, you know, yeah. the Serpico play, but this one, the Rushmore play was lit by me. Well, this one was more a theatrical look that Matt gave it. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Wes was eager to really distinguish it visually. And I think his fear was that I would, you know, make it look more like a film and less like a play. And, and so that's one reason why we brought in Matt. And, and you know, it, it had it had its own distinct look. 
and a lot of it I give Matt the credit for that. So now that wasn't the only time in the film where you had the lighting style dramatically change within a shot, right? Yeah, no, we did it a lot. Yeah, and uh, we kind of uh, a movie we all reference, and I reference all the time, is "One from the Heart," a Francis Coppola movie. Mm-hmm. where uh, if you're familiar with the film, it was Vegas and they do all kinds of lighting changes within a shot. And it's very theatrical in how they do it. And uh, so I, you know, we, we, we use, utilize that quite a bit, you know, throughout the film, you know, when Timothy and Lena are on the motorcycle, there's kind of a dreamy thing and we just change right. all the lights. And um, there's a scene where they're, kind of in a bed facing each other and uh you know all of a sudden it goes really dark and the background changes so we love doing that kind of stuff you know uh i i really love it anyway and i'm sure Wes does you know just kind of making a very theatrical lighting change within a shot which you you know in most movies they don't do that but it's it's kind of a thing that we both kind of have a lot of fun doing and and so I use utilize it whenever we can, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, since then we just did a movie where we did that quite a bit and we're starting another one where we're going to do it even more. I mean, it's kind of something, it's going to become part of his signature look, I think. So, you know, where we are actively changing lights within a shot that are obviously changing where you, most of the times in movies, you don't see that happening. I thought it looked great. And then finally the Jeffrey, um, Jeffrey Wright sequence with the kidnapping, yeah. Tell me about shooting those outside shots where you have the snow blowing in the foreground. You've got all the, I mean, was that done in camera? Yeah. Um, in Europe, they use these things called snow candles. And I don't know if uh, we use them in the States and maybe they're illegal here. <laughs> but there are these buckets that they fill and it's like paper that's burned and they wave the buckets around like this and it just kind of goes up in the air and fills the air and it looks real. And yeah. We found them in uh, on Grand Budapest Hotel because we were shooting in Germany in the winter and, and many times it would be snowing and then it would stop snowing and to match. And we had these German guys who uh, had these, these snow candle things. And, and uh, so they would bring them out. And I swear, I look at the dailies, it'd be hard for me to tell what was real and what wasn't. So we had the same guys back uh, in France. And uh, so that's how we did it, you know, made the snow. And that's, you know, it wasn't real snow. I'm trying to think it even snowed in Angolam. I don't think it actually did. But uh, so we would put fake snow on the ground and then we would use these snow buckets to create the snow in the air. And they just, somehow the, they, it's a, the these paper things just kind of catch the air and they just kind of, glide around you know and, and uh it looks very real you know it looks so good yeah no it's amazing and it's just if you're doing long takes sometimes you know they it starts to get less and less as the take go on and so sometimes they'd be off camera trying to feed them in more <laughs> but uh you know they work pretty well so uh it's just a trick we learned in on the grand budapest and it works it works great you know really it looks like snow was your favorite shot personally in the whole film? Well, it's a hard one. I, I kind of like uh, the shot of Jeffrey Wright as he's walking through the police station. It's a very long tracking shot. Oh, yeah. And it's going along the different rooms. Yeah. And we had to have this kind of tricky track that would, you know, not only go sideways, but in and out so that 
it was actually a series of tracks. So we'd get to a certain point, we would have to change and go in and out. And then we'd go back to the other track. It's like a train kind of thing, you know, and uh, it was very tricky to pull off. And, uh, you know, it just uh, each room from a lighting standpoint, we wanted to give it its own uh, characteristic feeling. And so we tried to make each room a little different, including when he ends up in that last room. Uh, you know, it's very dark because, you know, it's he finds Willem Dafoe and the jail fell. And then they turn the lights on. It's all the police are there. So we, you know, it was kind of a little tricky one. Um, Wait, they're not masking cuts in there. You guys did all that. Uh, well, we shot it as one continuous shot. Uh, but I'm sure. OK, I can't say I'm sure, but it was set up so they could make little little cuts in there if they needed to. But uh, we did shoot it continuously as one shot all the way through and uh, you know it's it, but it was designed to be one shot but again oftentimes there there's ways of sneaking a cut in using take five on this one and take four on this one you know you go past walls or things like that because right. it's all on a track so it's all very pretty much the same you know and hopefully about roughly the same speed and everything as well so you know the other shot that i really liked was uh there's a shot in uh, the son's blog at the very end when Timothy and Lena, they get in a fight and they go over to the jukebox and they kind of lean in and the, the walls open and you see the mopeds go by in the background. That, that was a lot of fun to do. I, I love doing that kind of stuff. So that was one I really enjoyed. So, yeah. Well, I think we're about out of time, but this was one of your okay. visually best West collaborations. Just couldn't take my eyes off it. So well, thank you. Where are you calling from? Uh, L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm in LA too. So okay. <laughs> anyway. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I can't wait to see what you and Wes come up with next. I know you're shooting one currently, or I guess you just finished. We just finished one in Spain. Uh, and it's, I think it's going to be really good. And then we're starting prep. Uh, I go to England in December to start the prep for the next one. So um, another yeah. Wes one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Cranking them out. I don't know. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Yeah, nice talking to you too. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the cinematographer for the French Dispatch, Robert Yeoman, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The French Dispatch is currently available to watch on Blu-ray and also on digital. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.